FFM Productions presents Two Wild Orchids. Not your mother's podcast. Why am I all banging over here? I don't. Or is know. that you? It's probably me. I don't know. It's just been kind of one of those mornings, right? A banging morning. Well, no. I did not bang this oh. morning. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't either, actually. <laughs> Allie, clearly hurt my knee. No, it never hurt it. That hurt you. I'm sorry. Okay. So neither one of us got banged. <laughs> Unfortunately. Will you be banging later? No, I don't think so. I am totally banging later. What the fuck? That's the that's the point. <laughs> it's your last bang. It's for, my last bang for a, for a little while. For a little while. We'll see what happens. Well, I'm a little envious. You want to bang too? No, not well. Not with me. <laughs> <laughs> are we recording? Yeah. I'm Sean Lee. I'm Monica. And we are the two wild orchids, the place you come for sex and fun. And today we have one of Monica's very good friends on the show. His name is Paul. He's going to be joining us. He's a dominant. Yes, he's a dominant. And this is kind of a holdover from our spanking show. Yeah, for sure. Because um, we kind of talked about how, I mean, just the spanking 101 and we weren't really, sh- you know, so anyway, so he's. I guess what you could call a professional, only not he doesn't get paid. paid. <laughs> we'll have to ask him to get paid for He's it. an expert. He's an expert. There you go. That's it. Not necessarily a pro, but an expert. Yes. All right. Well, Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. And I would absolutely not consider myself an expert, but thank you, Monica. <laughs> <laughs> I think you are. So you're the resident expert. Between the three of us, you win. <laughs> a little bit more experienced. How's that? That sounds, that sounds like a plan. All right. So one of the things that I love about this is this was born out of our spanking show, which um, at this point has not been released. So I don't think anyone's heard it, but we talked a little bit about you and your submissive on the end of last show. We did not give any names or any details, but we love the fact that you mind fuck her a lot. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit about being a dominant for people who don't know? Yeah. You know, that term is kind of wide open and it's kind of personal depending on how you look at it. But I'm in a, in a committed relationship, a monogamous committed relationship with a person and we have a DS dominant submissive relationship. And, you know, being a dominant means that I like to, I like to have control over what's going on and I'm not a control freak in my, in my normal life. I don't like to use the term normal, but my non kink life. Um, but my dominance kind of comes out a little bit like in my career and what I've done for a living and, um, and my partner is a submissive, which means that she is willing to give up control to me. Um, she's somewhat submissive in her normal life. If you knew her, you could kind of tell a little bit like that, but she's not a pushover and not a doormat or anything like that. Okay. For us, the dynamic, the power exchange between a dominant and submissive is, is that I pretty much control what happens and she follows along. Okay. So I'm curious because there's a, there's this whole idea of, and I'm so glad you used that word that she's not a doormat because I've, I've met your partner and doormat is not a word I would use to describe her. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times I think that people feel, maybe the general public feels that um, when you are submissive, that you have no power. I think that people in general, at least the people that I talk to, and, and to be fair, you know, you've been a really good friend of mine, Paul, for a long time, and, but I didn't really know, uh, you know, I didn't really get involved in this whole world for, until recently, so I was completely ignorant 
and he, and you've kind of been my teacher, like and, a mentor and guide. <laughs> yeah, and I <laughs> He's came, your Sherpa. <laughs> yeah. And I came in thinking what I think most people come in thinking, which is like 50 shades of gray, which is just bullshit. Horrible, horrible representation, right? Or like eyes wide shut. <laughs> you know, like people have this idea that you walk into this room and it's like a candles and everybody's draped in velvet and it's like beautiful and it's not like that. And then we went to a CFNM party and Monica was like, oh. I think there are a lot of misconceptions about what a dominant and submissive relationship is. And I think that people view a sub as just wanting to be humiliated and, and beaten and, you know, that they're not in control, which isn't really how it works at all. So Paul, one of the things that, that I'm curious about as a dominant, because I know that I can be very dominant in my real life and I tend to be very submissive in the bedroom, particularly with men, with women, I'm very dominant, but with men, I'm very submissive. Um, I'm curious that what do you get out of it when you are flogging her or spanking her or mind fucking her? What is it? What is the, what is the arousal point for you? That's a good question. Um, the whole thing's an arousal point for me, but mm. primarily I'm a sadist. <laughs> I really, <laughs> so I really like enjoy inflicting pain, you know, and to the point that is something that we've agreed upon and there's a, a consent there, right? Um, she enjoys pain to a level and throughout our journey together and learning about ourselves and learning my sadistic side, her very small masochistic side, her ability to in include pain and pleasure together and mix the two has brought her to completely new levels of ecstasy. And she didn't know about that part of herself until she met you, right? No, not really. She did. I mean, we've kind of, when we first met each other and talked, we, we decided we've been wired like this since we were really young. Um, you just don't really tell anybody about it because you don't, when you're young, you don't really know how to process this. You know, honestly, when I was really small, I was attracted to like, you know, the Dick Dastardly movie where the girl was tied to the railroad tracks. <laughs> Dick Dastardly. I don't think I've ever heard of that. <laughs> I know what you're talking about though. I know the scene though. Yeah. yeah the cartoon scene. Yeah. Like mustache and rolling the ends and. <laughs> oh, Yes. That, that visual was very exciting for me. Not that I wanted to like have the girl run over by a train or. Of course. So he says. You know, I have clear memories of like wanting to tie up the babysitter. Wow. Oh, interesting. Wow. Very interesting. Not really knowing what I would do with her. It just was just tying her up. Just tying her up. The, the, the idea of the bondage and the control. Whereas my partner um, had fantasized about things at a young age, including, you know, being spanked in front of a room full of people, like a classroom, like getting oh. in trouble, being spanked in front of the classroom by an older female teacher, being forced to undress in front of women, you know, things like that were things that, again, didn't really know how to process it. Like, what am I, why, am, why do I feel this way? Mm -hmm, but right. that, um, she fantasized about. And so, so everybody is clear, how long have you and your partner been involved in this? Um, in the community, I would say three years because we didn't really know anything existed. We, we found it by accident. How did you find it? So we were, um, at an adult toy store looking for like floggers and restraints and things like that. And somebody walked up to us and cause we were asking a lot of questions that they really couldn't answer. And they handed us a flyer for an annual event that, uh, takes place in South Florida. 
called Beyond Leather. And we didn't really know what it was. The flyer was like a laminated card with a really cool picture on it, you know, and it looked to be about bondage. So we went online and we, we paid for a day pass, like a one day pass. Um, and that was a complete eye opener because as soon as we walked in, you know, people could tell we were like babes in the woods, sort of fresh meat. Yeah. Well, but they weren't like that. They were very accepting and some people, a couple had approached us and started talking and it turns out that they run a community that's, um, you know, fetish BDSM based and we became members of that community pretty quickly realizing, Hey, these are mentors and this is a place for us to go, an actual outlet with an actual dungeon. And that's how we got started. So can you describe what a dungeon actually looks like? Because I think a lot of people really don't know what that is. Right. I will. So you've mentioned Eyes Wide Shut, you know, in that whole scene where he goes to this crazy party where everyone's in masks and then <laughs> people are having sex and then they want to kill him because he went to this, right? Yes. <laughs> parties exist all over the United States and most cities and nobody cares. You know, like no one's going to kill you for going there and you can have a great time. Dungeons are clubs. Um, sometimes they're, they're advertised, sometimes they're not, but they actually have like a kind of a dungeon theme going on the inside. You know, they're dark. They've got play furniture, dungeon furniture, which would be like the cross that you see, you know, where people are tied to a cross. Um, something we call spanking benches, which are padded benches that you can like lean over and kneel on. Lots of different dungeon furniture, places for attachment of ropes where you can do rope suspension. And these places also double as classrooms, meeting areas, community areas. So our local dungeon, our home dungeon that we go to um, is very much that type of thing. There's a big community built around it. There's events well, right now with, you know, the whole pandemic, it's kind of been shut down and everything's been done virtually. But when it's open, uh, it's a great place to go. And there's Virtual play points there where you can actually have a scene with somebody in a dungeon setting, meaning, you know, whips and chains, that kind of thing. Okay. All right. So hang on a minute, because Beyond Leather was actually the first BDSM event I attended as well. And I agree with you. It was totally eye-opening. Okay. <laughs> So for somebody who isn't really sure if this is something they want to do or they want to get involved with, maybe they could start there. I would, I think, I, now again, we have a resident expert and I'm willing to ask Paul, but I feel like that was such a big education for me. And they have, cl there are classes, there were, and, yeah. and, you know, demonstrations and like all kinds of stuff. Like you can. Well, you remember I, I did the Madame A interview, right? Just you and I started working together. Yeah. I met her at Beyond Leather oh. because she made that comment. And if you haven't checked out our show, um, I only let him come once a month. <laughs> that was an interview with a dominatrix. And that was where I met her was at Beyond Leather. I gotcha. Yeah. So would you say an event is a good place for someone to start? It could be a little, a little overwhelming and a little daunting for somebody new because of the types of classes that are there. You know, there was a blowjob class, a fisting class. You know, the, the, there's whole tracks. So not necessarily just sex related, but there's also stuff like on um, boot blacking, which is a big thing in the leather community, which is boot polishing. There was uh. table settings, you know, being a, a slave and being able to set a table and provide service. There were classes on protocols. So for somebody who's brand new to walk into that scene, it may be a little overwhelming, not really knowing, hey, what do I do? I would recommend starting with a local munch, and I'll explain that. 
Okay, so I want to pause for a second because I, you brought up a term that we haven't defined and I want, to, I want to just pause you here because there's a definite difference between a submissive and a slave. Mm -hmm. And you, you talked about place settings and protocols. And so I just want to kind of define some terms for our audience a second. And please, by all means, jump in if I get this wrong. Yeah. Um, but as I understand, a submissive is, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a relationship between the dominant and the submissive and the submissive still has a safe word and limits and that type of thing. And as I understand the term slave, it is actually a total power exchange where whatever the master wants is what the slave does. Is that correct? To an extent, there's still a negotiation that takes place even in a master-slave relationship. Okay. Me, for my personal um, liking, if I was in a complete 24-7 master-slave relationship with my partner, there would still be safe words established during play. I personally think it's dangerous not to have that, but you know, for some people that have been together for a really long time, it works. Mm. Uh, it wouldn't work for me, but you're, you're on the right track in a, in a master-slave relationship. The slave serves the master. People tend to define it a little bit differently depending on their dynamic and their power exchange. We have a little bit of that going on. We don't use those terms. Um, I do refer to my partner as a sex slave. She likes being called a sex slave. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, she doesn't use the term master. She uses sir. Um, you know, everybody's got it a little bit different, but you're on the right track. Whereas a DS relationship, dominant submissive, there may not be like a servitude component to that. Is a, is a slave, sorry to interrupt, is a slave, is that more of a 24-7 kind of relationship? Whereas like a submissive, like, you know, because I go to dinner with you guys and she's not calling you sir at dinner. Right. And it's all dependent on the personal power exchange. You can have a 24-7 DS, DS relationship or not, and a 24-7 master-slave relationship or not. It all depends on what the dynamic is and what works for you. We know people in the community that are 24-7 master-slave. Right. So I want to just kind of share a story here because I think that you can really help out. Because uh, you said a minute ago that your partner calls you sir. And um, I got, a, interestingly enough, because we planned to do this show, I got a phone call, no, sorry, not a phone call, a Facebook message from one of our listeners. And she said, I just need some information about BDSM. She said, I don't know where else to turn. Um, and so one of the things that happened is she met a guy online and she out of, she's from the Midwest and one of those Midwestern, t uh, let's say traits, let's call it that, is they say ma'am and sir. And so she responded to this guy as he texted her with the name, which she's like, he asked her a question. She responded, yes, sir. And he took it and ran with it. And from that moment on, he told her that he was a dominant. I made some notes because I thought this was so fascinating. I'm so glad she reached out because she ended up not meeting him because I said, these are giant red flags. And I would love for you to speak to this. Mm -hmm. So in the very beginning of their text, remember, they've never met in person. He refused to get on FaceTime with her so that she could see who he was, mm -mm. right? I know, like big red flag to start with. Mm. Um, the discussion was, she said, I, you know, I want another tattoo. She said, I don't know where I, I, said, I know where I want it. I just don't know what I want it to be. And he said, well, I'm going to tell you what it is. Ew. Right? And then, and then he said he wanted her to get her nipples pierced and her clit pierced. And uh, he was going to, and he was, now remember, they haven't met. Like, let's look at all of this, right? Like, there's no negotiation. There's no, happened this is all. what's happening. You're getting your clip pierced. You're, you're, I'm going to pick your tattoos. Um, they had never met and he was going to control all of their money. And so she messages me and she's like, hey, is this normal? And I was like, no. I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm marginally involved in the, in the key mm -hmm, community but here. This is 
But I, I know that one of the things I've said for a long time is that the kink community could teach the world how to behave because yes. consent is so important. Oh, that's so true. And she gave no consent. And when she told him she wouldn't meet him because he wouldn't go on FaceTime and he wouldn't, you know, use WhatsApp or any application where she could see him face to face, she sent me the screenshots after that. And he's like spinning off. No. And I said, well, that's a really good indicator for what he would be like in normal life. Yeah. Because it doesn't sound like she was going to be, I told you, you don't well, want to be chopped up in somebody's car. And I had a recent situation and I called you, Paul, where I matched with a guy on Bumble or Tinder, I don't remember. And when I matched with him, I noticed in his profile that it said, um, you know, please, when you message me, address me as sir, as you should. And I called you. Wait, as you should finish that whole statement. I don't remember what he said, <laughs> but like as, as you should, you know, or a respect, you know, as, as you should as a respecting, you know, wow. sub. And so I got in touch with you, Paul, and I was like, is this, like, is this normal? And you were like, fuck no. So if you could speak a little bit to that, because I think people who think they might want to be submissive think that that means that they don't have any power. Mm -hmm. The opposite, actually. If you ask anyone who has the power in my relationship, they'll tell you Michelle, because she could end it instantly by just saying, I'm not doing this anymore. And it's done. And I don't have a say in that because that's a consent. Her submission is a gift to me. Mm -hmm. So these guys, these, you know, Domly Dom, these, these ridiculous people that tend to infiltrate the community. One, when they go public, they get outed really quick in the community. Mm. Word gets around really fast that this person is, you know, possibly a consent violator or really doesn't understand the dynamic. I think a lot of these people tend to be really young. That's one of the reasons why they're not maybe showing their face because they're like this, you know, 21 year old master Dom who, uh, <laughs> And there are people in the community that have 25, 35, 45 years of experience. Those are people that I look to how they behave in the community to help other people see them. And then I try to sometimes learn from them or model my behavior. But these, these people that say these things run. I would also say, too, that a good place to start off if, if and I don't know where this person met this guy, like I'm assuming it was FetLife. Shanley? Actually, no. Um, she had never heard of FetLife. She met him on some, I think, random dating site. I think it was like a, I think it was OkCupid or maybe it was Bumble or one of those, one of those vanilla dating sites. Mm. And she made the mistake of answering a text message by saying the word "sir," and he was off. And and before she even had time to to say, "Oh, well, wait, I just said that because I'm polite." <laughs> Probably got his education from watching, uh, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey or watching porn, and mm. uh, mm -hmm. not really. What what the the power exchange is and the dynamics are and what consent is and what negotiation all these things that go into a, a solid foundation of a, a DS or MS relationship or even a kink relationship for that matter. But um, what I didn't mean to interrupt. But what I told her was, and you tell me if I if I guided her right, was when you are whether you're a dominant or a submissive, when you meet someone for the first time, you're meeting them on equal footing mm -hmm. yeah, as a Okay, good. I, I did. I said, you know, you're not supposed to be his sub yet. He doesn't even know you. You don't even know if you want to be his sub. You'll see a lot of profiles on FetLife where submissives will say, I may be a submissive, but I'm not your submissive. Right. So, yeah. And uh, these things take time. It, 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 you need to, there's also something called pickup play, which 
let's say that you're a submissive and a masochist and you like pain play and things like that. You could literally go to a dungeon and meet somebody there for a scene that night. But then there's a lot of negotiation that takes place before that scene. Safe words are established. Soft and hard limits are established. And then you can play with that person and have a really great time, like an impact scene, let's say, that includes paddles and floggers and things like that. And then go your separate ways. So if you could just for a second, um, yeah, explain what a scene is and then also hard and soft limits. Okay, so a scene would be um, two people or more engaging in some sort of uh, play. I'm going to use that term. For instance, one of our scenes, just so I can describe it and you can kind of understand what it is, would start off with me preparing the area I'm going to play. And let's say it's a spanking bench. And everyone does things a little bit differently. There are some people that want the slave or the excuse me, or the submissive to do this. I don't particularly like her touching my toys. So I do it. So I'll set up the area where we're going to play and then I'll blindfold her. These are all things that are part of the scene. I'll blindfold her. I'll whisper things in her ear. I'll touch her. I'll kiss her. I'm getting her in the, in the mindset, in the, the subspace where she knows something's going to happen. I'll place her on the spanking bench in the position that I want, and then I'll either tie her her or use belts. We're big into leather belts that are custom made for bondage. So I'll restrain her to the bench. While I'm doing that, you know, I'll start to spank her a little bit. I'll still whisper things in her ear. And I'll start telling her things like, there are a lot of people watching right now. Really turns (laughs) her on. And and if it's people we, we know from the community, I'll mention particular names that I know would either make her feel really uncomfortable or really turned on. That's part of the whole mind fuck thing. And then from there, it might be impact play, like using different types of paddles, floggers, uh, riding crops. And that can just go on to sensation play where I have a metal flogger that I'll put in ice and then run it on her skin, which drives her absolutely nuts. Sometimes she doesn't know what it is. A lot of times we'll use something called a Wartenberg wheel, which is made for neurological testing. It's this little sharp wheel on a handheld stick that you can run across body parts. Sometimes it'll be clothespins. She'll never really know because she's blindfolded. And that could also include to using a vibrator and mixing that in with pain, like flogging, edging her. This could go on for an hour. That's a scene. Everybody's are a little bit different. Some people seen maybe a suspension where they tie somebody up and they suspend them and then, you know, maybe do something while they're suspended or maybe not. But those are kind of what I mean by when I say a scene. And there are certain rules that go along with scenes as well, where in the the BDSM community, if there's a scene going on, you try not to talk during the scene or around it. You don't interrupt anybody in the scene. You don't come into somebody's personal space. A lot of times people are throwing whips and floggers. You get hurt you're more than welcome to watch because people are doing it in a semi-public space. Um, So that's kind of what a scene is. And they encompass all different things, medical play, knife play, needle play, whatever is allowed to be done at that dungeon and is pre-negotiated. That's what could be a scene. Mm. As far as limits are concerned, these are things that are talked about that both the dominant and the submissive may have. For instance, my limits are, my hard limit is I don't do knife play, blood play, or needle play at all. Sounds reasonable. <laughs> well, you would think, but it's pretty very popular in the community. 
So let's just say I wasn't in a relationship and I wanted to do pickup play with somebody and I met them at the dungeon. They're like, hey, I really am into needle play. I'd be like, that's a hard limit for me. I'm not into that. Sorry. Mm. That's, that's not even negotiable for me. It's something I just won't do. Mm. And then limits meaning soft and hard, like there are limits that, that Michelle has that she's okay with maybe if yeah, what's she's, the difference between she's hard. in the mood or maybe not you know there's right. sometimes when she's not into it and sometimes she'll let you push her limits a little bit more i'll give you an example of a hard limit for her which is breath play and that's that's a hard limit it's never going to happen and breath play to be clear is like when you are rest restricting someone's airways yeah either hand over mouth and nose or choking like grabbing Really, it's not restricting the airway. It's more like putting some pressure on the juggler veins so the person feels like they're going to black out. Like autoerotica, we don't, we don't do that. That's, that's a hard limit for her. It is for me as well, but that's a, an example of a hard limit. An and, example, then, and tickling, I that's, think. That's a soft limit for her, kind okay. of. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Because in a, yeah, she cannot stand to be tickled. In most cases, she, I would say 99% of the time, she would say, you're not tickling me, you know, and, and I, I know this, so I don't do it. But if we include somebody else in our play, which is 100% of the time is another female, another dominant female, I have to say that ahead of time, hey, her hard limits are this, including tickling. Now, where I can say it's a soft limit is because in the past, I've negotiated with her at home in private. <laughs> why don't you like it? I know why she doesn't like it. Well, how about if I make the space safe for you? And she's agreed to it. So we've had a couple scenes at home where she was tied up and I tickled her until she peed herself. And that was, <laughs> what was the hard, you know, that she doesn't want to do that in public or she's kind of triggers some old memories of her older brothers, like, you know, holding her down and making her tickle until she started to cry. But in our own private space, it was kind of fun. She liked it, but it's not something we've done since that one time. And so it's not an all the time. What I what I heard about all of this, and you tell me if you agree, is that if you're a dominant, you have to be creative, because you said you said you try all of these different things, and sometimes you put it in ice, and then you use the Wharton wheel, and you do this and that. So there's got to be something going on in your head that keeps it from being, you know, redundant, if you will. Well, I'm so devious. It's not even funny. It's <laughs> It's funny because I obsess about her. I think about her all the time and I think about, you know, like horrible things I'm going to do to her. Yeah, you got to be creative. <laughs> boring and becomes like boring, rote mechanical sex. It's the same thing every time. Now, you'll notice that I pay attention. I watch a lot and I'll watch other couples or, you know, a master slave, DS, whatever it is. I'll watch their play. And a lot of times people have a rhythm to what they do, which is that's fine. That's what keeps it going. During these play parties, there's great music that's playing. They custom have soundtracks going of music that's designed for like flogging and whips and things like that with a right beat. But sometimes you'll notice that somebody's play follows a formula the same way every time. This happens and this happens and this happens. And that's probably what they like and they really enjoy it. That's okay. I tend to vary it up a lot because it's part of that whole mind fuck thing. Like a perfect example would be adding in another person into a scene. Okay. Sometimes doesn't know that's going to happen. Like it's not talked about, but we have an agreement between us that certain people that we know, friends of ours, it's perfectly okay. So there's been scenes we've had in public where she was blindfolded, tied to a spanking bench. 
and I'm whispering something into her ear. And the next thing you know, there's someone touching her from the back and flogging her and doing things to her. And you can feel the energy. She'll start to shake and get really freaked out or turned on or excited or a combination of all of them together. I think I talked about it on the spanking show where you blindfolded her and didn't tell her where you were going to take her and she didn't know. And there was all this anticipation and she was terrified and she was like, where are we going? And you were like, Oh, you're going to find out. And there was all of this and it was really creative what you did. Yeah. There's been a couple things like that, that, uh, she had no clue. And you got to really be careful when you're doing this like in public, because I don't want to be driving around with somebody blindfolded in the car, you know, <laughs> there's, she's really big into like an abduction fantasy, like where I pick her up, hog tire, throw her in the back of backseat of my vehicle, <laughs> drive her someplace. Um, yeah, these are things that, uh, I've got all these things kind of cataloged in my my perverted little brain to, to happen at later <laughs> dates. I don't know if she'll even hear this, but um, there's one that I've had planned for a long time that we just haven't made happen yet. A slave auction that she doesn't know that she's going to participate in until the very last minute. That's actually completely all set up to be, you know, a certain person's going to win and certain things are going to happen, but she doesn't know that. I, I tend to volunteer her a lot for things that she doesn't know are going to happen. So, <laughs> And everyone that knows us in the community really understands the relationship that Michelle and I have very well. And uh, I think a lot of people have kind of tried to mold themselves after our relationship because we don't fight. There's no arguing. You know, she doesn't run out of the place crying sometimes. It, she's always happy because I work extra hard to make sure that she feels safe and that she's happy and it's all about her. We were at a party um, that was a private party where they had taken over a strip club and had a um, a dungeon party going on there and we were walking around and she she tends to dress because I I tell her what to wear for these types of things where she's completely exposed you know her her bottom and her front are open usually her so private parts the private parts are, are exposed she wears a lot of times bustiers with stockings and high heels and no no panties or crotchless um, body suits you know this also kind of turns her on and, and also fucks with her mind a little bit because when we get to the club and I'll tell her undress, you know, and she'll be like, now, right now, <laughs> can we wait a little while till the lights go down? I'm like, no, take your clothes off now, you know? <laughs> um, I want to just pause for a second, if you don't mind, because one of the things that I learned and, and if, and I know Paul, you're a listener to the show is that I was a swinger for many, many years and the difference I feel like between the swinging world and the kink world is the swinging world is all about the sex and the kink world is really all about the play. And it was, it was news to me when I went to a dungeon the first time that you don't have sex in the dungeon. Oh, like that was news to me. Interesting. Depends like on the dungeon. News to me. Interesting. Depends on the dungeon. There are some dungeons that are sex positive. Oh, okay. Well, the one I went to, they said no sex. Right. So, so the, our local community dungeon, there's no sex, but you can have an orgasm if you're female and not, you know, squirting everywhere. We, we've yeah, had some that? crazy times, you know, and I don't think we've ever had, we've never had a bad scene or a bad experience with the exception of maybe feeling a little bit uncomfortable at trapeze because like we might've been having sex and someone started to grab her leg or like grab her breast and she was like, somebody's touching me, you know? Yeah. And I'm really polite. I'm like, hey, no, thank you. And they're usually, okay, no problem. They back off, you know? 
So that was one of the things that I want to make sure that I say for this show, too, is the difference between the swinging community and the kink community. And I said this to the woman who wrote in, was the kink community, you say yes, and then you can. And in the swinging community, you do it until someone says no. Yeah, it's um, true. Touch first, ask permission later kind of thing. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. very much that way. And so it doesn't, it doesn't shock me at all that people would touch her and then he'd say no. And they would back off because no is no. But where the kink community comes from the perspective of it's yes, then. Well, I can tell you that the night, and there's always these little caveats, you know, that, that or where I, maybe I break my own rule a little bit. Because the night that the scene happened at um, the rooftop, part of that scene was predetermined. So we had friends meeting us there, a, a really young couple with a, a young female who is like crazy about Michelle. And had asked me ahead of time, hey, can we play with her? And we kind of arranged something together independently that Michelle didn't know about. When we got to that club, Michelle had restraints on and she was blindfolded and, you know, like sitting in a chair and people were kind of looking at her weird. Like, why has this chick got, you know, restraints on and blindfolded? And then she asked me, she said, can I have something to drink? I'm like, yeah, what do you want? She's like, I want a Coke. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to the bar. So I took her blindfold off because I don't ever leave her alone without a, with a blindfold on. And I undid her restraints. And I'm within eye shot of her. I can see her. I see this guy walking up, clearly not a swinger because he's dressed in like BDSM kink type clothing. He walked up to her and he said, hey, I noticed you're collared. Uh, I'd like to have a conversation with you, but I'm going to wait until your owner comes back. Nice. I mean, that's the way it should be. And she's like, thank you. He's right there at the bar. Came back. I introduced myself. and We had a great conversation. He was from out of town. You know, he heard about the event. We, and we, it was just like three friends talking. You know, he didn't ask for anything. He was just like wanting to know what, what the scene was like in South Florida, but super respectful. And that's how you approach somebody, especially mm. someone who's wearing a collar, because that, that's a symbol in the BDSM community of ownership. And there are little rules like you never touch somebody's collar. That's a huge thing. We learned that really early on. Um, so anyway, so this night going forward, she didn't know that, you know, what was planned. A couple of the, the women that were there in the lifestyle kind of like approached her and wanted her to dance on the dance floor. And I told them, no, she couldn't. You know, and they looked at me weird. Like, who are you to tell her no? <laughs> and, you know, just stuff like that. And then our friends got there. Well, let me back up a second. Before our friends got there, I noticed this couple walk in. Again, clearly fetish couple. Not, not you know, in the lifestyle. The guy had on like this leather butcher's apron with goggles and a top hat, you know, and he, uh, underneath that he just had like white underwear. The woman's wearing all latex and all kinds of stuff. Well, she sees us, kind of locks eyes with me, sees Michelle, comes over to me and kind of nods. Is it okay if I touch her? And I said, yeah. So this woman starts like playing with her bra strap, you know, pinching her a little bit and was very respectful and then asked me, can I spank her? And I'm like, yeah. So I brought her in, put her on a spank bench, allowed this woman to spank her a little bit. Well, then our friends show up and the one girl's like, oh, I'm jealous. You know what's going on? I'm like, well, you, well let's make this into a scene. And so the two women kind of had their way with her for like an hour while she was chained to a, a sex swing. And then I brought out, we have a, I don't know if you guys know what a fuck saw is. If you ever heard of that? No. What is that? It's a sawzall, like a commercial grade sawzall, which is like a handheld reciprocating saw. It goes back and forth. And there's an adapter on it that holds a dildo. So instead like a of... a fucking machine. Sort of a handheld fucking machine. We also have like a motor bunny, which is kind of like a Sibian. But I pull this, this fucks all out and people are like, oh, what is that? So, 
<laughs> the whole scene turned into like one long, you know, squirting orgasm for her because they the girls were doing all kinds of things to her, fingering her and doing anal stuff to her. She couldn't, she literally could not walk after the scene was over. I had to kind of hold her and pull her out of the swing and like hold her up. And when we left, she was like, oh my God, that was like a dream come true. You know, like I had so much fun. <laughs> she, you guys, I can't believe you all found each other. It's, you're like the perfect match. So that, that couple really. became like our closest friends. You, you know, we have so many unbelievably close friends we've met in the community, but that one couple with the guy dressed crazy, we're like, I mean, we go to their house for dinner. They have three kids. Like, we're really, really tight with them. They're very close friends. All because we met them there and that kind of thing. And there was this mutual respect. And again, it was a pretty fast negotiation. Like, I quickly had to give hard limits and, you know, talk about safe words and things like that. So, Michelle pretty much has an orgasm every scene we have or five or ten. Um, <laughs> Damn. That's probably, you know, a part of our play, a lot of it is forced orgasms. It, it's it's edging orgasm denial that turns into, you know, orgasms that turn into forced orgasms. And kind of the joke of the people in the community is that her punishment is really punishment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is it? What is a forced orgasm? Um, imagine having an orgasm and being done, and you're like ultra sensitive, and you don't want anybody touching you, and then somebody keeps forcing more orgasms on you. I wish you could see Monica's face when you said that. She rolled her eyes back in her head, an eyebrow came up, and oh, she's twitching like I she just, ate something sour. I don't, like, know, oh, I don't know that oh, I would like oh. that. I don't <laughs> know that face, I if I could have videoed, that was epic. I don't know that I would like that. Well, I Michelle doesn't like, like it at first, and then she gets to this point of no return where she can't stop, where it, it doesn't matter anymore. But doesn't it hurt? I guess that's kind of the point. <laughs> yeah. I think, I, you know what? I think I would like some forced orgasms. I think that sounds like fun. Really? Yes. Interesting. Where, they, where you're, you're bound and you can't not have them. And yeah, mm -hmm. I'm in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, the way, when, now when you say it like that. Now all of a sudden it sounds hot. <laughs> <laughs> when he described it, you were like making faces going, oh, I don't think so. I don't so, think so. Yeah, so this all, like pain face. This really all goes worse. back. It all back in your head. It's great. This all goes back to her gift of submission. Because, yeah. Because. Yeah, so. You know, I, like, I'm sorry. I know I interrupted you again. I apologize. That's okay. I, I just want to make sure that we, because I don't want our listener, the one who wrote us in, I don't want her to be like um, forgotten in this. And, but I want to make sure. So the things that, 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 that guy did, because I really want to make sure that we're clear on this. If you're a submissive, it is, it is a con, it is a consent from you. And if you're a dominant, it's a consent from you to, to go into that space. And how long should somebody wait before they, start before they have that negotiation that's really a personal vet, choice how do you, how do you vet, vet somebody people. that's a great question you know okay. like how do you know that you're not gonna meet some fucking weirdo that's gonna chop you your up body okay so, Mo so monica and i've had this conversation actually about mm -hmm. that because um i i would universally say the right place to start is on fat life because it, one everyone in, is in that community and it's very much community-based right so when you first go on to fat life the best thing to do is search by area and location. And let's just say you lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico. You can pick that location and it'll show you all the events are going to be taking place in Albuquerque and the people that have put down on their profile that they're from Albuquerque. So let's say that you are on there, you've got that you live in Albuquerque, that you're, you know, 32 years old, um, curious about the scene, think you're submissive, and all of a sudden you get a message from a guy. 
And you look at the guy's profile and he's connected to no one. He has no friends in the community. He's not showing that he goes to any events. To me, that's kind of a red flag. There are, there are a lot of married people on Fat Life just looking to hook up. And sometimes people are honest about that and sometimes they're not. So I wouldn't, immediately, I wouldn't even start by meeting people. I would go to a local munch. And what a munch is, is a dinner or a luncheon where it's vanilla, there's no play or kink going on, and it's a meet and greet. It's where you meet people from the community. And you establish relationships. And, you know, if you're a male and you want to be a dominant or you're learning about being a dominant, you introduce yourself and say, hey, my name is Bob. I really want to start into this. I, I like the idea of being maybe a dominant or a master. And then you you start to forge relationships with people. And then people will send you friend requests, just like on Facebook. FetLife is Facebook for kinky people. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because I, you know, I think that you and I have talked about that. And, and one of the things I love, 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 and you had actually just said that Sean Lee a little while ago that, you know, we could learn a lot from the BDSM community. It is such an accepting, lovely group of people yeah. that, you know, you, you go in there thinking and everybody has their kink everybody's got something and you go in feeling so uncomfortable and then the second that you meet people and it's no different than just going to a happy hour or a lunch with you mm -hmm. know and everyone's just so accommodating and they you can talk about what you're I mean for me I go in and I'm like ah, I don't know what I'm doing and it's totally fine and everybody's really great about it so you know don't have any trepidation about getting involved. I spoke at FetishCon this last year. Mm -hmm. After I went to Beyond Leather, I actually spoke at FetishCon. This was right before you and I partnered up. And we went to a club in Tampa. Uh, I think it's called Castle or something. It's a BDSM club. And there were obviously people in a variety of, of dress, right? There were people who were, you know, obviously in the leather. There was this, and I'll never forget this. And this was such a big lesson for me about the King community. There was somebody wearing a Tyrannosaurus Rex costume. <laughs> giant like this was not like you know this is we're talking the giant tail that's really, I mean, this that's really hot enormous yeah. enormous and what i loved about it was it, it, castle is two levels and so there was a staircase and i watched as the dinosaur went down the staircase and here's what happened nobody made a face everybody got out of the way of the dino he stopped and hugged a couple people on the way down okay <laughs> and nobody said shit nobody was doing that can you believe that nobody said anything yeah. and to me that was such a powerful lesson of acceptance yeah right nobody cared that he showed up in a dinosaur costume yeah he was as happy as he could be and in a place where he knew he could be as happy as he could be yeah and you can be who you are and and everyone is just so um i think non-judgmental it's, it really is a very safe space. It's a safe space to explore the weirdness of you. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody's like, we all have our weirdness. For sure. You know, and so as, I, as our show does a mission to unshame sex, what I love about the kink community is they really work to unshame your weirdness, your kink, your, your thing that you're ashamed of. They work to unshame that. I really love that. That's mm -hmm. what I love about the kink community. Yeah. Which you, is why when this girl texted me, I was like, oh, this is not what this is. No, and right. I want to speak about what she texted you that way. It we're really clear on that, that she needs to run fast from that person. They uh, clearly don't know what they're doing. They could be dangerous um, and not not engage with somebody like that long distance via text without being able to vet them. And the perfect way to vet people is to be involved in the community and then ask, hey, so-and-so sent me a message. I noticed you're friends with them. What can you tell me about that person? That That's the way you vet people. 
Oh, I like that. I really like. You that. meet him right, in well, public maybe places. Maybe we could get your Michelle to come on. Mm-hmm. I know that she's nervous about that because of her because she doesn't want to be recognized, which we certainly understand anonymity. Absolutely. So we'll see if we can voice modulate her and get her to come on and talk to us. Yeah, you'll Wouldn't probably get fun? a you'll probably get a, a a really unique perspective from her. Yes, and she has. She's really a unicorn. I mean, she has every kind of orgasm. Like she would be if she was a robot, she would be like the updated premium model, <laughs> you know, like has the G spot, the squirting, the I mean, every kind she of has, orgasm. She multiple. has orgasm. She's from questions. spanking. We have yeah. so, so many questions. So many yeah. questions. <laughs> she has, yeah. she has. It would be really fun to get her on here. We'll see if we can talk her into it. Uh, Paul, thank you so much for coming on today. We appreciate it. If you can get Michelle to come on, we'd love to talk to her too. Maybe do a part two. I don't know if we can do it the next show, but certainly yeah. a part two. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. All right. So then as we get out of here today, <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to say stay sexy. And I was going to say stay kinky. Okay. <laughs> Guess ma'am. Oh, I like it when you call me ma'am. <laughs>